I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Good old Sussex by the sea. Brighton have beaten the champions and Jay Lings is back. It's Thursday the 4th of February. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidushin Hunter-Raja. What a time to be alive. What a time to be on the football ramble off the back of the mighty Seagulls beating the champions Liverpool by a goal to nil last night. I mean, they couldn't have picked a better day for me to come on the ramble, could they, Jim? No, absolutely not. Um, but, uh, you know, Brighton keep killing it lately. So it was a matter of time, wasn't it? You must be delighted. You're beaming. So happy. So happy. Honestly, like, I think the most satisfying thing about beating Liverpool yesterday is kind of proving to everyone that the Tottenham win wasn't a fluke, if that makes sense, Mm. Vish. Because I guess that a lot of football fans who maybe don't watch Brighton as often as I do or that don't watch Brighton every week will have thought, okay, was that a one-off performance? But actually, it really has been coming. Like Our performances this season have warranted way more points than what we've got in the table and I know that every football fan says that because when you watch your team through thick and thin you know that you deserve more majority of the time but yeah it was just so satisfying Vish to to get that win over Liverpool and prove that we finally are getting the points that we deserve out of some of these really good performances this season. It's already unbearable, isn't it, Jim? <laughs> already unbearable. First. Hey, I'm I'm just glad I didn't get to hear you talk about nine nil yesterday. yeah that's fair that's fair um you know what you're right and it's interesting that you mentioned the Spurs game because these were two very different performances weren't they yeah against Spurs they knew Spurs were going to sit back to an extent so they went at them and they found pockets to work in and against Liverpool they just did it a little bit differently and probably got away with a couple of chances like Salah's one early on was a big one and then he had a a, quite a good chance to equalize in front of the cop as well but yeah I mean Graham Potter's been one of those managers where I, I think, you know, your point about watching them week in, week out is an important one because I remember seeing them a few times last year and I was like, this is a really good team. And yeah. Yeah. You know, Jim and I were on the show a couple of days ago talking about the way Bielsa 
can squeeze, seems to be able to squeeze so much more out of players that other people might cast off. And I think you'd probably say the same for Potter. And I think mm. it's probably fair that we do, actually, because, you know, a lot of those players have been picked up from the championship or come with them or carried with them from the championship. And he's done remarkable things with them. Even players like, you know, Tarek Lamptey, the way he's come in and adjusted and been so good. Trossard's another great example of, um, you know, a good bit of business that they've been able to pull off. So, yeah, like... I want to say I'm pleased for you. I am pleased for you. I know you won't believe me, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it must be kind of a thrilling time to be be a Brighton fan because there was a fear, wasn't there, that it, it didn't really matter how well you were playing. If you weren't getting the results, you weren't getting the results. And that fundamentally yeah. is the issue. I mean, yeah. people have been saying don't score enough goals, but if you yes. don't concede any, you don't need that many, do you? And well, they, yeah. they seem to be uh, pretty tight at the moment. And I think one of the, the things that's really impressive is Graham Potter talked after the game about them reacting to mistakes they make within games and keeping their focus when they're under pressure and when the other team are on top. And we would, you know, if we were football managers, we would all say that to our team, but like getting them to execute it is a very, very different thing. And clearly he's, he's providing a mentality that they've really bought into and are actually managing to, to make that work in tough, tough games as well. So I think like the fact that they aren't scoring so many goals, it, it, which is obviously, you know, the, the icing on any football cake is disguising just quite how, how good they are. And 10 points off the relegation zone now. So yeah, that's like, a good feeling. How do you see it panning out, Jules, for the rest of the season? Because is this something to build on where maybe they will click a bit more, start scoring a few more and climb up the table? Or do you think, you know, is there still sort of rockiness ahead? Yeah, I'm, def- I'm, I'm definitely not saying we're out of um, a relegation battle now. Absolutely not. Like you look at the table and you look at the teams around Brighton and in that bottom three. I mean, Sheffield United winning in the week, that was surprising Hilarious. again. Like they've started picking up points now and it's all getting very tight. I mean... In terms of predictions, I, I, I did predict that Sheffield United at this stage, that Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham would be the three to go down. And I, I probably still think that's going to be the case, but it's certainly not over in terms of a relegation fight. I think Newcastle are in it and I think Brighton are, are definitely still in it. You can look at these good results from, from this last couple of weeks for Brighton and easily get carried away, can't you, as a fan? But... I'm not getting carried away. We know just how quickly it can turn around. And and I think it's kind of, it's funny when you when Brighton look at the, the teams that they've got results against in comparison to the ones that they haven't. Like drawing with Fulham at home a couple of weeks ago was so frustrating because that's a game where you'd look at and you'd go, we should be winning that game at home. And then you play Tottenham at home and you beat them. So it's so unpredictable, isn't it? So anything can still happen. I'm just glad that those points are now finally on the board and the start to 2021 has been so good. It's been almost like too good <laughs> to be true. <laughs> it's um, mad, it's like, isn't it? You've conceded yeah. one one goal one in the last goal. five games, having played City, Spurs and Liverpool. That's yeah, and incredible. Leeds, who, you know, they're, a, yeah, they're yeah. a free scoring team, even though they concede loads of goals as well. So to concede just one goal against all those opponents is quite amazing. The defence has been so solid lately. And I think that that was really on show last night against Liverpool was the fact that, yes, we defended really well, but also it was such a team performance. You you couldn't really pick a man of the match. I know that on TV they picked Adam Webster as, as the actual man of the match, but it genuinely could have been anyone. Like, as a team performance, it was as good as I've seen this season from Brighton. They all worked so hard for each other and you could really kind of see that on and off the ball out of possession we were immense like the press and the aggression with the press was so good to see I was honestly like you know in those games where you're like cheering everything you're like yes yes come on like everything was just so pleasing aesthetically and that's with big Dan Byrne in the side which you don't often get and a lot of people have been (laughs) criticizing him especially after the Wolves game, which was a bit of a disaster for him. And seeing him in the team sheet yesterday, a lot of Brighton fans were a little bit like, why on earth is he playing him at left wing back? Like, is that really Dan Burns' best position kind of thing? And how's he going to handle that against Liverpool? Um, he was immense. He was so good. That is the best Dan Burn performance that I've seen since he signed for Brighton. So yeah, just really good all round. I mean, seeing a six foot seven defender effectively 
in the box creating chances and having yeah. a few shots as well was um yeah it was it's it was, amazing it was it's terrifying so good. it's terrifying, <laughs> it's isn't it? terrifying like, having isn't that it? bloke on having him as left wing like, he's too tall to be a left wing back yeah <laughs> it'd be like imagine waking up you know in the morning and suddenly the eiffel towers in your living room it's like <laughs> yeah what what are you doing here it's mental yeah, yeah. i mean I that but the, the I'm surprised we don't have more like lanky wingers because the the, the ranginess means <laughs> they've got to take wingers. fewer steps basically to yeah. cover all that ground. So maybe we'll have more of these marauding giants just terrifying the titchy kind of fullbacks that we currently have now. Because I think it, it's it's really really um, again telling of how how good Potter is at sort of. Um, lifting players and, and giving them confidence um because i i said to you recently jules um and i'm not going to mince it my exact words were all right is dan burn shit um <laughs> <laughs> and uh you said you said no he's not because he did seem to be at the center of a lot of stuff that went wrong for brian but he's turned it around so well and that's when you're in the spotlight that like that when when you know there's a there's a, f- a feature on the TV about what a bad game you've had. Mm. That's got to be a hard, hard thing to come back from. And he's clearly done that very well. Yeah, you've, got to, Bright- you've got to remember, though, if you say anything bad about anything related to Brighton, Jules won't have it. Jules likes <laughs> seagulls, like actual seagulls. True. Who the fuck <laughs> likes seagulls? Yeah, no one. Was anyone surprised by how bad Liverpool were? Like, they looked really ponderous. And, yeah. You know, we'd... We already know this is a season for not making any great proclamations, and despite that, I, I don't think I'll ever learn. But I really thought they were coming around a, a bit of a corner, but evidently not. You know, that was pretty. They looked they looked like they were playing hungover, which, <laughs> which to be fair, they might have been because the schedule is absurd. Appreciated that is absurd for everyone, but um, yeah, they looked properly off it. Yeah, they I didn't look on it of... at all, did they, Jim? I mean, I think that the i mean they were missing players let's 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 yeah. point that out as well you know they didn't have allison in goal they didn't have fabinho they didn't have mane so they were missing yeah. three key players three players who would always start games if they're fit and available for liverpool so we do have to yeah. point that out but i don't think that that takes anything away from the fact that i think they weren't just beaten because they weren't having a good day they were beaten because brighton were just better on the night jim yeah, I think that's true. But also there's, there is there's whatever the opposite of a perfect storm is, is at play here as well. Because yes, they're missing, they're missing Mane and Alisson and, and various players. But, you know, we're, we're obviously ignoring the fact that they're missing Van Dijk, Gomez and Matip for like the entire season, which is, I mean, how can you account for that? That's, yeah. that's just such horrible luck for them. But also there's a lot of games in those legs. You know, as we touched on before, they're coming off the back of a title-winning season and the season before that was a record points total where they didn't win the league and they went on and won the Champions League. So that is effectively the same kind of physical after-effect of a title-winning season. So this is, in any other sort of time, this would be them defending their third title. Mm. And teams can rarely do that. They can rarely keep up that intensity for that many games. And Liverpool have... Are in that situation now, and I think it's perhaps we're at the point where it's getting a bit much, and it's and it's just a little bit beyond them, particularly with you know half their squad missing. Yeah, well, mm. Andy Robertson said, didn't he, post match that Brighton were better than us at pretty much everything, and we're not in the title race. Looking at the points that Liverpool have dropped more recently since around the end of November, they've now dropped points against Burnley, West Brom, Fulham and then Brighton as well. And they're the games where you'd expect them to be taking all three points. So look, we go into Sunday's game with Liverpool and Manchester City, seven points between the two of them. And if Man City win that, then you'd assume that they kind of walk away with the title after that. But then you never know because it's a crazy season. Liverpool could go into that game against Manchester City and beat them. So then it's yeah. only four points between them and you never know what happens. So City it, do have a game in hand as well, they though. They do, they do. So, That's the thing. They don't, yeah, need, they don't um, need that. Why do they still have that? Get rid of it. Yeah, I know. Give, them, give, them, give whoever's going to take the thrashing of that game a rest. Give Arsenal a rest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, give, give them a mulligan, yeah. Sorry, I'm just, uh, I've, I've, I've just started Googling Sussex serial killers to see which one Jules will defend the most. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just had to get my league table up. Right, that's all good. Yeah. yeah. Good old Sussex by the sea up the Albion. Amazing win last night. Right, let's move on and talk Man City then. Um, because as I mentioned, it's the big one against Liverpool on Sunday, which... Marcus and the team are going to be previewing tomorrow on the preview show in a bit more detail. But they just did what they always do when they beat Burnley 2-0 last night. Um, Look, it was just another one of those performances from Man City, wasn't it, Jim? They just look unstoppable at the moment. They've won their last 13 matches and they've done that without De Bruyne and Aguero for some of those games. Amazing. Yeah, everyone's making a lot of that, actually. But I do, I mean... I. I I don't think it's as impressive as it is when other teams are missing certain players because the whole model of Man City is being built that they effectively stockpile amazing players. So you 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 know you are missing if you are missing someone, there's someone else really really good to come in and take their place. So obviously you know within the context of certain teams, you're always going to have the best players and players that aren't quite up to that standard. But I don't think it affects them perhaps as it does um, so much other teams. But um, b- purely because. It, when it gets to a point where they need to put a run of games together or they sense that they can pull away, they just they just become robots, don't they? They just play in this this kind of this style where it is just you know what they're gonna do. It's incredibly hard to stop it. The players can interchange in their position so so well and they do. Someone else steps up if someone else is out and they just they just it's like they're not even conscious. It's like you know how jellyfish don't think. They just float about in the sea being dicks. Like they're not actually sentient. Like City are like that with goals. Like it's 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 scary at times. You think that teams need to come together? Like so, whoever gets so if Liverpool get a pasting off them on the weekend, someone else needs to piss on Liverpool to make sure that <laughs> it doesn't last for very long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so true. Even like not just the squad depth, but the way that Pep seems to be able to turn one kind of player into another. Like we we've lauded Gundogan over the last you know, a couple of weeks and we probably should do again because he's just kind of decided to moonlight as De Bruyne for a bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. just decided, like, actually, I'll, I'll be one of the best players in the league while he's out. Exactly. Like, it's, it's crazy, really. <laughs> if I, if you know, if I had a bit more of a tin four hat on, I would suspect some kind of foul play. Like, there was some kind of lab where they're, you know, like a fly type, you know, situation where they're trying to, you know, put someone else into the body of someone else, but yeah. Well, you say that I'm still suspicious about why Zinchenko looks so much like De Bruyne. Something's <laughs> something going on there. Yeah, it is weird, isn't it, when you're watching, and especially from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, not now when De Bruyne is injured, but when he does play, and Zinchenko also plays at the same time, does my head in? I can't tell the difference between them from, yeah. from, from like, you know, when, when there's an aerial shot. And it's so frustrating because you're thinking, what's De Bruyne doing back there? Oh, that's Zinchenko. Okay, fair enough. Um, talking of looky-likeys, by the way, uh, Sean Dyche in his pre-match press conference was just absolute gold. And I think he's the real yeah. winner here because <laughs> he's just my favourite. I love him so much. He's, he's clearly just bored of all the mundane questions that have to be asked by reporters. We all have to ask them and we all have to, you know, go in with the editorial of the game and ask all the standard questions. And Sean Dyche was like, basically, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about looky-likeys. And he went off on, I think, about a three and a half minute spiel about looky-likeys that he spotted on holiday. There was one that he spotted when he was um, when Bernie were playing Sunderland. Um, he discovered the real-life version of the little old man with glasses from Up. <laughs> um, and he said that he gets told all the time that he looks like Mick Hucknall and Chris Evans. This whole speech was absolute gold, Jim. It was. I mean, firstly, we have to... If you're thinking... If you're an American listener, you're thinking, he does not look like Chris Evans. <laughs> It's not that one. Uh, and also, the, the one he's talking about, he also doesn't look anything like. Well, yeah, exactly, uh, they're yeah. Just, no. They're just ginger men. Yeah. And he doesn't look like Mick Hucknall. It's, it's, it's just a bizarre one. And also, can we address the term looky-likeys? It's look-alikes. Where it seems to, everyone seems to be saying it because Sean Dyche said it. And I guess yeah, he's quite a true. scary bloke, if you if you view him that way. But um, yeah, I, I, I love this because we've actually... We've actually played this at the studio when um, when a fire this. alarm went off, and we found David Hasselhoff and a man that looked like a My Little Pony. I can't remember <laughs> any others, um, but yeah, there's a guy in the studio. You'll see him at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's I love this because I think Sean Dyche is like 
he's like that last connection to the time when when people that worked in football were ju- were really similar to the people that watched football in the pub. You know, they were all they all come up through the same sort of like you know I, I, I academy. <laughs> yeah, the pub academy. Yeah, the system. And you feel like you could easily sit in a pub and play that with Sean Dyche, and it would and it would just be normal. You wouldn't notice the fact that he's a Premier League manager and you're just some guy. Um, and I, I love that about it. And it's, it is more interesting, isn't it? Whoever the next time there's the first time there's a proper press conference where everyone's in it, someone's got to get him to play that in the press room. Oh my god, that is such <laughs> a good idea. The, the the best bit about when he was telling the story is he said that he plays it on holiday with his family as well, and and he you know when he's with the kids they they sort of spot someone around the swimming pool and they go oh look look at that guy and he said uh we found bungle and like just really made me <laughs> chuckle because he said then every time you see them you go oh look. Bungle's at it again. Here he comes. Bungle. Bungle's getting to the pool. And um, Love it. it's it's so relatable because I think I think everyone does it. Like I play this game constantly when I'm on nights out. Not that I've had one for a while, but you know, you're in the pub, you're out for dinner, you're on holiday, whatever it is, everyone seems to play this game and it's so much fun. I think the best lookalike I've ever spotted, it was so niche. But it was so good that to this day, I still talk about it. And it was probably about 12 years ago now. I spotted Michael Dawson, Tottenham's Michael Dawson on a night out That's in the best one you've ever had, is it? it honestly, Michael best one. No, I'm not joking. It because was... you've probably met Michael Dawson and interviewed Michael Dawson. No, I haven't. I haven't. This was This was literally his twin brother. I could not get over how much it looked like him. I was like... It, I actually was convinced it was him. It wasn't because I actually asked him. That's how much it looked like him. It wasn't him. And to this day, it's the best lookalike I've ever found. <laughs> the, my favourite thing about that Sean Dyche bit was, you know, as Jim said, he's basically like the man in the pub. And I, I just imagined like being in the pub with him. And like, he definitely gets his round in. You don't need to, don't even oh, need to. Yeah. While, yeah. while you're halfway down, he's already getting the next round in. Yeah. And he'll come back with... Packets of crisps, pork scratchings, open them all up on the table. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, there's a, there's a thing known as a Croydon salad, which is a packet of salt and vinegar crisps with a packet of ready sorted pink poured <laughs> into it. And I think he'd be, a, he'd be a connoisseur of that. Is that right? Yeah. That's a natural thing. It's great. Croydon, it's brilliant. Croydon salad sounds like something I do not want to Google. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go on Urban Dictionary. You'll find something totally different. <laughs> But I, I I don't think I've had any um, any good looking likeies at all actually. Who do Although you look I, like, Fish? Do you get? Does anyone tell you you look like someone? You know what? Just I, I don't really get anyone actually. Although a girl I used to see said I looked like Kanye West because <laughs> I had wait 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 because I have I've got big cheeks. Bear in mind Kanye West was in a fucking car accident. <laughs> 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 uh, but but. Uh, uh, Marcus said one the other day, which I didn't really see, but I'm not. I'm definitely not going to argue with. But he said I look like. You know, well, he said that I remind him of Daniel Kaluuya. It's a nice one. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm going to nice take that. One. I'll take that all the way to the bank. Yeah. Jim, who, yeah, who get do you AVB get told you look like? <laughs> AVB. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Is it the? Is it the slightly ginger beard? Yeah, slightly. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's the very very orange beard. Um, is it the, 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 the slight psychotic nature as well that you can go in yeah, an the, instant, the, yeah. and the, the rally driving, yeah. uh, the croaky voice, <laughs> <laughs> sabotaging Spurs, all of it? That is quite a good one, to be fair. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that. I'm happy with it. I can see that. I get told Thandie Newton. Oh, which, yeah, I can see I that. See that yeah. I will yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely take that because she's a painting. So. <laughs> she is, yeah. She's in Mission Impossible 2, which I watched the other day, which I encourage you to watch because it is one of the most chauvinistic films ever made. But she is, yeah, she is incredible. She looks incredible now. I know. Yeah. I know. I don't know how old she is, but if I look like her at her age, I will be absolutely buzzing. So, yeah, I'll absolutely take that. Um, right, we're going to take a break and then we'll um, get into more of last night's matches. So, we'll talk about that next. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This week at Sukarnov. Over at Self Care Club, Wellness Road Tested, Lauren and Nicole discussed intuitive eating and rebelling against diet culture. Actually, I'm really proud of myself that I did that because it was hard and it was bloody brave to actually stand up and say, you know what? I choose my life. I choose to have quality of life. I choose to be two dress sizes bigger and much fucking happier for it. For even more great content, there's also a brand new episode of Between the Lines with Melissa Reddy, who sat down with Borussia Mönchengladbach's assistant manager, René Marich. He talked through his journey from a football blogger to coaching one of the most exciting football teams in Europe. You always focus on the next game and you focus on every opponent, no matter which competition and uh, the level of the opposition. We always focus on each opposition the same in terms of investment of time and resources. All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov. Go around the Premier League and ask all of the Premier League managers, do you play the looky-likey game? And if they give you a boring answer... We'll drive down and we'll slap them with a wet fish. Love it. Welcome back to the Football Ramble. All right, it's now time for this. Yes, uh, Andy Robson has been in touch uh, from Twitter and he says, read the David Louise uh, red and penalty double jeopardy. I have a rule change suggestion. Oh, good, this again. <laughs> if it is deemed a foul, the attacking team can choose one of three options, either a goal and no card, a penalty and a yellow, or a red and a corner. Now, do we? who, who wants to mm. kick this first? I don't I mean, hate it. it I don't yeah, hate it. I don't hate it either, but it's never going to happen. But um, in that situation, I reckon I would... A, probably a, which is really boring a penalty and a yellow I think it depends who's committing the foul doesn't it yeah you might, that's you might, true that's true you might want that person to stay on actually <laughs> uh, I think fundamentally you can't you can't you can't give a goal if a goal's not been scored do you know what I mean I think that option yeah. has to come off the table Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Sorry, I, I, that, that, yeah, that is a nonsense, yeah. It's a bit like the NFL thing where they get awarded a foul and you can choose whether or not you accept the penalty. So, for example, if there's mm. a foul on a, on a running play and you get you know, a decent amount of distance, you don't have to start again. You can just take your advantage, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So that, that might be something, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, we'll we'll see. It won't ever happen, um, Andy, but thanks for the suggestion anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vish, what have you got for us? I've got an email from Harold Bjornsson, who's got in touch after we mentioned Ida Johnson coming on for his old man for Iceland. Yes. At 34, Arne Johnson was still playing for the national team and his 17-year-old son was playing for PSV. Um, 
in the most promising forward line in Europe alongside 19-year-old Ronaldo, of course. I would have no idea that they those two crossed over. That's yeah. incredible. No, that's mad. People started getting really excited for the prospect of a father and son playing together, and they were both called up for a friendly against Estonia in April 1996. However, the head of the Icelandic Football Association and later chairman of West Ham intervened and gave the national coach an express order to not play them together because he wanted it to happen on home turf two months later. They made history when Ida came on as a substitute for his father, who kissed him proudly on the cheek when his son entered the field to play his first international game. Two weeks after his international debut, Ida inexplicably played for Iceland's under-18 team against Ireland and was on the receiving end of a horrendous tackle that broke his leg. Ah. Arna managed to keep his his international career going for another year in the hopes of playing alongside his son, but had to retire from international football at 36 in 1997. Ida eventually played again two years later after the leg break in the Icelandic Premier League. He was £20 too heavy, respect that, and was still (laughs) the best player in the league, respect that even more and got his second cap in 1999, two years after his father played his last one. They both admitted they hold a grudge towards the former head of the Icelandic FA. Oh, yeah. Ice yeah, cold beef. Love it. I remember him. His name was Egg at Magnuson, wasn't he? Yeah. And he looked yeah, like yeah. a vampire egg. And he was an egg, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was a mag, Magnus proper egg. Proper yeah. Nosferatu egg. <laughs> right, keep your emails coming in. We love hearing from you. Show at footballramble.com. All right, let's get back into some more of last night's matches. Um, this was a good one. Only saw the highlights of this, but it looked like a really good high-tempo match. Everton beating Leeds 2-1 at Ellen Road. Um, the first goal from watching the highlights, and I didn't really see a lot of the build-up into it, but it just looked like such poor defending Jim did you see this it was Sigurdsson's goal yeah. he sort of just jogged into the six yard box and just did. tapped it in he did although it was a brilliant cross from Luca Dean yeah it who's was a fantastic player he I like don't fell think over as enough. he crossed it didn't he yeah he did he was really really committed to just fizzing that ball into that area and uh, yeah I think Everton were, were particularly good in that half and it, and they weathered a storm from Leeds in the second half they were they were fantastic actually this was a really really good game um and yeah, I have to say, I think this was the best fake crowd noise I've ever heard. <laughs> it was like a 12th fake man. Like the game was lifted as a spectacle. Like whoever was on it needs to become BT's flagship fake crowd person. <laughs> the one that you go to for the big games because they absolutely nailed this. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, Everton seemed to respond to the fake crowd. I don't know if they could hear it, <laughs> but they seemed, they seemed buoyed by it. And yeah, they were... They were they were really good, and obviously, you know, coming back from from a setback as they had in in the last game is, is important. And so, I guess that's what you get with Ancelotti, isn't it? You know, yeah. you're not uh, you're not going to be licking your wounds for too long because he, he knows how to get you going again. And I think you know, Gilfrey Sigurdsson had an excellent game, and, and people wondered if he'd play mm. um, with with all the players that came in. But he's proven himself to be you know a really excellent asset for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're sixth in the table, Everton Vish, um, but they do have two games in hand. So if they won. Both of those games in hand, they would be in the top four. I mean, they're having a pretty good season, aren't they? And sort of, sort of going a little bit under the radar, aren't they? Yeah, they are. We we kind of I, I spoke about them in the last show about being a bit, you know, being a bit Spursy, and perhaps maybe they should be the ones to assume all that kind of, you know, just being so up and down. But mm. yeah, I mean, it, it was quite a solid performance. I mean, Leeds really. You know they could have come back into that. I think they were, you know, as we've seen a few times this season, they missed quite a few chances as well. But yeah, they've, um, you know, they had a really good December, even without Luca Luca Dean actually, because he, um, I think he's top of their assists after that, um, or certainly someone at the top, and certainly been a provider of a lot of their goals. But yeah, they, um, I, I just don't know how to read them. I, I mean, I don't know how to read anything really. I'm an absolute fraud when it comes to this, but like. <laughs> You say, you saying that they could get two game, win those two games and get into the top four? I was like, yeah, they could. But part of me feels like no one wants to, no one's happy with where they are, and no one is set in where they are. So, yeah, yeah, I don't really know. It, it's um, it's, it's just pass the parcel, isn't it? If you ha- if the music stops and you happen to be in possession, then be grateful. But otherwise, I don't know what what else can you do. I've, I've, I remember I tried to cheat a pass the parcel once, and my mum slapped me. <laughs> It was my brother's birthday. Cheat? Because How I just held on, just what, just I held on, on to it. it. For too yeah. long. I held on to it because I thought the music was going to stop. My mum came and slapped me around the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> Cheating at children's party games, Vish. Yeah, I mean, I was a child as well. I didn't do this like a couple of years ago when I was 32. 
That's what I envision. You yeah, no, I want the smileys. Yeah. Playing at a party with loads of kids around and you wanting to win past the parcels. Right, that is, that is slightly slanderous as well. So let's just <laughs> nip this in the bud. I am not hanging around child's parties trying to win a child's game. I'm very good at, you know, I'm very good at charades. I'm a don uh, musical chairs, but I those days are behind me. Let let the younger generation through. That's what I say. <laughs> Why have you separated musical chairs from children's games? Well, I just are think, you still playing musical chairs as an adult? I think I think as an adult, musical chairs is probably the one game where you think actually this this could be a lot of fun. It could be quite violent as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know who? Actually, you know, that, you know what? That does sound pretty great. You know how like. Tag was on TV recently. Yes. It, was, it, it was brilliant. So good. Maybe a violent musical chairs would be equally entertaining. And you know who'd be bloody good at violent musical chairs? Me. Sean Dyche. And Jules yeah. Preach. I, I thought you were going to say yourself then, Vish. <laughs> no, yeah, you wouldn't I'm want to mess with Sean Dyche at musical chairs, would you? <laughs> or you, to be fair. Or me, yeah. After exactly. you Plus, I'm small, so I can like sneak round and like tactically get to the chair a lot quicker than others. Nothing about tactics, mm. you're just a bit of a wrong un. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I respect your honesty. Um, speaking of the Everton fans, kind of, you know, they they want a lot and they expect a lot, don't they? And um, the former Everton boss Ronald Koeman said in an interview this week that Everton fans sometimes expect a bit too much. I think sometimes they're still living in the past about the great seasons that they had at Everton. Ouch. Um, And Ronald Koeman's brother, Erwin, revealed that during his first months at Barcelona, Ronald, someone from the locker room was leaking the lineups and he said, but Ronald solved it, which just to me sounds really dark and ominous what did he do bit tony soprano that isn't it yeah don't worry sorted done what happened don't worry don't don't ask it's dealt with i just leaking lineup seems to be a thing that we're hearing about quite a lot at the moment Mm. and like what's the point (laughs) especially when they were from like 20 years ago yeah like what's the point like what does the person doing this get from it so the thrill of being a grass, like what's yeah, just... yeah. I, I, like, I think I mean, it's they come out an hour before the game. Well, a while ago <laughs> it was that like a lot of like well I don't know if this was a reason, but a lot of like fantasy sort of accounts would would leak them, wouldn't they, so that people could get early team news and change their fantasy teams. Uh, but now uh. they've changed they've changed the deadlines now. Sorry, I was just waving at someone who just posted something through my letterbox. Cheers, mate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He can obviously see that I'm recording and didn't knock, bless him. Um, Yeah, so they've they've changed the deadlines now for FPL for the Premier League for precisely that reason to an hour and a half before the deadline so that no one can leak them. But then I guess please don't corrupt FPL. Oh no. <laughs> no, don't. It's a very serious game. And by the way, I am now above Luke Moore. You'll be glad to know. There we go. I've done it. I've done it. I mean, it's not over yet. He could come back. We've got fairly different teams, but as things stand right now, I am winning. He does have Son to play tonight, which is slightly worrying. Um, Musical chairs tiebreaker. That's what I'm saying. Was that? Yeah. Musical chairs tiebreaker. (laughs) I'll definitely take him in that. Also, see um... the way he moves. He's he's sluggish. (laughs) (laughs) That is deep. Uh, One thing, very quickly on the um, on the the league team sheet thing often it isn't actually as simple as like leaking the 11 it'll be one player who's dropped out yeah who you might hear through their agent that they're not playing because obviously they get told Mm. plenty before time especially in the lead up to training if they've been working on a separate thing so a lot of times it'll be the agent just telling someone oh he's not playing and therefore you can stitch together the lineup right so it's it's not like right (laughs) You know, bloke and with his collar up in, in a car park handing over <laughs> <Yeah>. a document. <laughs> I love that stuff like that always happens in car parks. It's like, yeah, we've got to do it in a place that's not public. Like, but it is public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is a public place. It's just dark. And yeah, well, speaking of Barcelona, Dotton, Andy and David Cartledge are breaking down that interesting messy contract, all the details of that on OTC over on Football Ramble Presents. So if you want to hear a bit more about that, make sure you catch that. It is out today. Um, Right, let's move on and talk about another one of last night's matches. So much football to get through. Um, West Ham flying, absolutely flying. They're fifth in the table after beating Aston Villa 3-1. And what a debut it was for Jesse Lingard. I think when the team sheet came out, Everyone was sort of wondering, would he come straight into the team? Because 
He hasn't played for Man United this season before this move to West Ham. The last time he played was in United's last game of last season. So was he match fit? Was he ready to play? Well, David Moyes thought so. And he was absolutely right. He scored twice in the 3-1 victory. He was so good that Danny Murphy said he played with swag. I love when people (laughs) use words that you don't expect them to come out with, Jim. Yeah, it's brilliant. I don't know. I, I, I don't really know what Danny Murphy's doing there. Maybe he's just got caught up in all the, all the Jesse Lingard hype that we're all suddenly on board <laughs> with. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a little bit like an uncle trying to sound cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, leave that alone, Danny Murphy. But um, yeah, I, I was. I mean, I was one of the people who wondered whether this was the right move for for West Ham. Um, but if if Lingard plays with that much energy um, and, and kind of directness in in every game, uh, then then obviously that's going to work really, really well. I, mean, I love that he was so happy to score the first goal that he basically fell over. It's <laughs> like, you, you know, whatever people, whatever you think of Jesse Lingard, and a lot of people have a lot of opinions about him that are perhaps a little bit unfair um, and, or perhaps a little bit exaggerated. You've got to be happy for him in that situation. So, yeah, clearly that's a joyous moment. Then the second goal treats himself to a little dance just yeah <laughs> you know what I, I didn't dance for the first one I'm going to dance I was waiting for it and there it was the classic Jesse Lingard dance moves he was going to do it wasn't he wasn't he Vish yeah yeah I know like a lot of people are irritated by them and I suppose maybe if he didn't play for Manchester United maybe I'd be irritated by them as well but <laughs> I, I, I can guarantee and you, confirm that you would yeah 100% if he you know maybe if he if he scored or played well at your particular ground and, and maybe you might have even at late point having played well again at your ground tagged your ground <laughs> in as a dance floor maybe that would annoy you Jim I'm, I'm yeah, just you know yeah. speculating here <laughs> yeah <laughs> somewhat correctly hashtag banter club <laughs> but the um the the other there's there's like a wider thing about all that in that a lot of united fans were were pretty short on time for for lingard because there was this perception of them as this overgrown kid really and it not just relating to all the hijinks and just generally how he is and his the celebrations and the jailings and and all that kind of stuff lings with a z but, yeah, links with his head, of course, always. Um, but also the fact that, like, you know, he he's a twenty-eight year old, twenty-seven year old, twenty-eight year old guy who had there was no real expectation on him, and he was almost treated for too long as a bit of a kid, and he seemed to embrace that. He was never someone who really you looked at and you bestow much um, responsibility on, and because of that, you kind of thought, God, he's just like, you know, he seems to be happy living this kind of gap year of a career do you know what I mean mm. one of, one of Jesse the, Lingard's day off <laughs> yeah but the um, but, and like one of the things that was always would always annoy United fans who were Pogba fans in particular was that Pogba would come on under all this slack about not taking responsibility of being too immature and they point to Lingard as the guy who or you know he's a Manchester United kid through and through and he kind of gets it when Lingard's older than Pogba and would mm. never be kind of take, never face any of that kind of criticism but that being said, there were were a couple of years, we're talking about those Arsenal games, obviously the FA Cup final, where Lingard was one of the players that United needed in their eleven because it gave them a bit more energy. It gave them a bit mm. more breaking power from midfield. And at his very best, he was very effective at that. And that's kind of what we saw there with that with mm. those two goals, particularly the you know, this the first goal, West Ham's second, where he was kind of accompanying Antonio. We've seen it a few times actually. Antonio's held the ball up and he just gets you know he tries to do what he can but it takes a while for people to catch up with him and then having that support suddenly opened everything up and yeah I'm I'm, I'm really pleased for him I don't know if, you know I don't think his future is at Manchester United and I think Solskjaer was being quite generous when he said wanting him to enjoy his football and then come back and see where he's at but you know it's good that he's playing again it's good that he's happy and yeah, yeah. I, I was um, I don't mind the dancing to be honest yeah. I don't mind it is it because you uh, you want to be cool like Jay Ling's fish? You know what it is? It's something I realised last well last month during lockdown because we've been stuck and not had a night out in so long. I was listening to a song on iTunes and I was, I was like, I used to love this song in the club or in a bar. And I was like, I reckon I've forgotten how to dance. Because <laughs> you need to, the reason you have so many nights out is you need to keep practising, don't you? Oh, I don't I, know. I 
I need to go on loan out to New Zealand. I didn't get any better. (laughs) Yeah, same. But you're a girl. You don't need to be good at dancing. You just need to be, you know... Just swing your hair around a bit. Yeah, exactly. Do a bit of that. You get away with it, don't you? Well, look, I, I like you, you know, seeing that enthusiasm and that happiness come out of him on the pitch, it was... It was really nice to see and and he was so beaming after the game, wasn't he? He said, I was smiling before the game, during the game. I just love football. So we'll see where this season takes him. You know, there are, David Moyes was one of the people who said, you never know, he could get into the Euros team this summer. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's perhaps a little bit, you know, ambitious at the moment. But when he was in the team before, he was there on merit. So it's it's not, you know, it's not like it's an impossible situation, particularly with, you know... The, the high likelihood that there are going to be a lot of players missing mm. for the Euros through injuries that they are yet to pick up just because of how much football is being played. But I think a lot of credit has to go to, to, to Lingard for how sharp he's clearly kept himself because, you know, people talk about the, there being a big difference between general fitness and football fitness. And obviously, it's not like he's not been training, but match fitness and training fitness are a different thing again. But he was just, you know, he was the most energetic player on the pitch. So he's clearly, whatever people might say about him, you know, not taking his career seriously, that's clearly not true mm. because he's he's in really, really good nick. I just to caveat if- that all, though, he did put pistachios on a turkey. Oh, he did. yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the weirdest actually, thing. Yeah. What was that? Also, I reckon James Madison's listening to those David Moyes quotes going like, hold on, hold on. I wasn't yeah. in the last thing in the squad. Where's this lad coming from? Yeah. No, no. Yeah, Back of the yeah, queue. Yeah. yeah, he's like, hang on a minute. Did you not see my two assists? Which, by the way, I know we're not going to talk too much in detail about Leicester, but that that performance against Fulham, the second goal, James Madison threw on goal, slots it through for James Justin. And why a fullback is in the centre of the D, I Honestly, it was amazing. Such a good goal. It was. It's actually one of my favourite goals from this midweek action. Also because they're both in my fantasy team. <laughs> it's also, it's Leicester, isn't it? That they're allergic yeah. to boring. Yeah, exactly. That's why there's a fullback marauding through the six-yard box. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, one final thing to touch on, guys. Um, this is an amazing story. I don't know if you saw this. Um, an eight-year-old at Santos has signed a three-year contract with Nike last week, becoming the youngest ever footballer to ever sign a Nike deal. He's eight years old. Quan Basile, I think is how you pronounce his name, surpasses the previous records held by Real Madrid's Rodrigo, who was 11, Neymar at 13, and Messi was 15 when he got his first deal. Pathetic from Messi. But an eight-year-old is practically a fetus, Jim. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) who is this for? A night thinking, we don't have... We're not getting enough of the eight-year-old dollar. Maybe we need other eight-year-olds to extract that money from their from their pockets. It's it's very very strange. I don't really understand why that's necessary. But then I don't work in sports marketing, so maybe maybe it is. I mean, a fetus released an album a little while ago. An actual <laughs> unborn baby oh, was really? recorded what? in the womb by his what? parents, who are both musicians. Yeah, seriously. Um, the kid was called like well, the kid's not been born yet, but he, but will be called Luca Yupanqui, I think that's pronounced. But um, yeah, there is an album of this fetus's noises coming out so maybe this is the future why maybe, would anyone you know, want that i don't know it's arch and avant-garde isn't it Ugh. you can listen to it and stroke your beard and feel all i can understand why the parents would I'm want sure it but why would no one why would anyone else want it it's hard hard to be proud of that achievement when you grow up as well isn't it yeah but, yeah i don't really have anything to do with it imagine it becomes like the best thing you've ever done you've peaked and you're not even born <laughs> that might be the that might be the youngest a kid has ever emancipated from his parents when he, find, <laughs> when he becomes fully coherent and finds out about that. Also, what use is giving an eight-year-old a boot deal? Because their feet grow so quickly anyway. Oh, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah. Just what a waste of money. Give me a boot deal. I'm set. I'm set. My, if anything, my, my feet are getting smaller. I'm going to shrink now. So I'm going to save you money. <laughs> <laughs> well, his dad, Adrazino, who used to actually play for Corinthians, said that... His son, this eight-year-old, is a player with an absurd will to win. He sounds terrifying. He does sound terrifying. There's a real tennis dad vibe going on there, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah, I would not play pass the parcel with him. (laughs) Well, yeah, it was Neymar, as I said, who got his first sponsorship deal at the age of 13. um, And it's his birthday tomorrow, actually, his 29th birthday on Friday. And he said in an interview this week that he will never stop partying. He's he's quite known, isn't he, for these kind of extravagant 
birthday parties that mm-hmm. he holds. Um, I mean, he'll never stop Jim. Never, ever. I, I think to be fair to Neymar, though, like he's built a club in his house. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems really silly to waste that. You've got to commit, don't you? Is that what those photos are? That's actually in his house. He's got a club in his basement, yeah. In in his mansion in Brazil. Wow. A continent he doesn't even live on. (laughs) So, I mean, like, he's really really committed to partying. So, to just, to stop now, I I, I think it's fair enough. He's gone that far down the line. Poch is just going to have to deal with it. You know, Jules, you've got a club in your house. (laughs) Definitely not. I I am (laughs) building a bar in my garden, though. So I don't it's know the same that thing, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with my little uh, Budweiser machine. Um, it's the first. The first. How have you first... got that on this show? How have you got that on this show? <laughs> I'm, I'm just shameless. Amazing. I'm amazed you've not mentioned it yet, Fish. I thought I'd give you a pass. I realised that's, that's, that's exactly what you'd want me to do. Did, you've not, you've not bitten so way. far, and you've used it to kind of tee up. And you'll probably get another one now. Yeah. <laughs> It's sold out, mate. Sold out at the moment. Hopefully they'll get some more soon. It is actually very good. Anyway, um, as you mentioned, Pochettino, he hasn't really gone sort of hard hard in on... Hard in? Is that the word? He's not really gone hard on Neymar in terms of... He's not gone hard on for Neymar. I just said hard on on the football ramble. He's not gone in hard on Neymar. He's not a it again. I've ruined it. I've ruined it. Like we, this is the end of the show. What are we doing? Yeah, he's basically not taking the hard line approach. His penis is he? flaccid with Neymar. Just say it like that so there's no confusion. Neymar's yeah. making me blush. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he sees Neymar and he gets all shy and says, sorry, Neymar, can we try again in half an hour? Yeah. What's going on there? Why is it so cold in here, he's saying? <laughs> January, February in Paris, yeah. Good God. Uh, right, I think we'll leave it there, shall we? Um, tomorrow... Lots to look forward to on the football ramble. Um, we've got the preview show sponsored by Betway. Marcus, Andy and Luke are going to be here for that. But also, if you want some bonus content, get... Oh, <laughs> sorry. Bonus, bonus content, didn't you? Yeah, right. <laughs> if you want some bonus content, get over to patreon.com forward slash football ramble. Uh, there's actually a live patron exclusive Q&A tonight. Thank goodness it's not with me because I've got a filthy mind. Uh, Kate, Pete and Jim are on. So get your skates on, head over to patreon.com forward slash football ramble to get some of that good stuff. Um, Jim, Vish, it's been lovely to see both of your faces. Likewise. Lovely, Same. lovely yeah. stuff. Oh, you don't sound very genuine, Vish. No, no, I won't. I was just, I've, I've wondered where you were going with that. There's usually like a, a bit of sweet and then a bit of salt, isn't there? Oh, no, I was just being nice for a change. <laughs> <laughs> um, great to see you both, boys. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Football Ramble and we'll see you soon. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.